I'm Sarah Gazarek, Executive Director of the Faith to Action Initiative. Thanks for joining us today for a conversation with Maggie Cruz of Retrack, a Christian faith-based charity motivated by their faith to ensure no child is forced to live on the street. Hi, Maggie. Thanks for joining our podcast. Tell us a bit about who you are, and then we'd love to hear a little bit more about Retrack and what you all do. We work particularly with a focus to street-connected children. Our key push is to get children back into families wherever possible. And a lot of the time people say to us, oh, it's impossible taking kids back home from the street. You know, they've become wild out there. You know, there's no way of, of you know, getting them to settle down and get back into family. But uh, I think the very exciting thing I've found over the last um, 16, 17 years of working uh, in the field is that actually when you do it right, you actually can get children home very successfully and get them to reintegrate fully into family, into their local community, into the local school and uh, and get them back on a, a path that is a normal and healthy path for their full development. Maggie, we know that Retrax developed a set of family reintegration standard operating principles which provide clear, flexible guidelines for your outreach and reintegration work. How does this model work and what are some of the cross-cutting principles of good practice in children's reintegration? I guess this model has grown out of our work over a number of years and uh, on a child's side, um, we see that going out to where the child is on the street is really critical. Uh, a lot of the children that are, end up on the street have really basically had a really bad deal in life. You know, they've come from um, very uh, disrupted and fragmented homes uh, where there's been separation, where there's perhaps been drug and alcohol issues, perhaps mental health issues. Uh, there's poverty that's mixed in with all of that. Maybe there's sickness as well, which means that it's ended up in the adults in their life letting them down. Uh, and so at that point in time, a child makes a decision based on their understanding, okay, this is too hard and maybe I can do better if I'm on the street uh, and escaping whatever it is that's pushing them out of the house. So um, sometimes that can be the parents themselves pushing the kids as well. It can work on both sides. But the the trust level of these children with the adults in their lives has really been broken so one of the critical things for our staff is to get alongside of these children and start to relate to them and build up some trust. And, of course, at first the children are quite suspicious, you know, why do you want to come and talk to me? Uh, but after some time of getting to know our outreach workers, uh, they get to know them, they start to share a little bit of their story. Uh, sometimes they share a different story than reality because they're not sure if they can trust that person. But bit by bit over time, that relationship is built up uh, until finally uh, a child will come to the point where they will accept the invitation that the outreach worker is giving them to come into a centre and really start to get serious, as they say, about moving from the street. Uh, and so once that happens, a whole lot of things kick in. We provide um, safe shelter and just all the basic needs, you know, hygiene issues, nutrition, medical care, all of that uh, happens automatically. Um, the child gets to have some time away from the street where they can just play and be a child again. Uh, but probably the critical thing in there uh, is taking time with a social worker or counsellor 
to tell their story and really for, probably for the first time for many of them to actually start to express some of the very painful things that have happened in the past. So that enabling contact and building up the relationship uh, with the child is really critical to then bring the child to the point of considering what could be my options. Again, a lot of these children um, develop a very fatalistic attitude uh, to life. You know, my fate is on the street. This is where I've ended up. How could I possibly ever move away from that? And uh, it takes some time uh, sometimes for them to actually have their eyes opened and to understand actually change is possible. Uh, there are options. I do have choices. So that process can take, for some children, that can happen quite quickly. For other children who've perhaps be, been more damaged uh, or, or abused, that can sometimes take weeks, months, um, even sometimes years uh, for children, um, particularly when they've been on the street long term. Once the child gets to the point of thinking, oh, maybe going home is possible, uh, then we start to work on what kind of things does the child need to do to prepare themselves. Uh, maybe it's simple stuff like getting back into school routine, catching up on schoolwork, learning behaviours uh, that are suitable for a classroom and home and unlearning some of the uh, unhelpful stuff that they've learned on the street, you know, dropping off the street language, dropping off the street behaviours uh, and settling down uh, because they're in a safe environment and don't need to be just in survival mode the whole time. So, um, yeah, all of that comes together to the point where the child is is ready to go home. How do you find the children's families? And when you do... How do you ensure the return is a healthy, safe place for the child? Of course, a child can't go home into a vacuum and we certainly wouldn't want to place the child back into the same situation that caused them to run away in the first place. So at the same time as we're working with the child, we're also starting to trace the family and make contact with them. They also need to build relationship up with us and to develop trust and, uh, and really to think through, you know, are they ready to accept the child back home? The critical basis of our work is uh, we refer to it as a theory of attachment. Every child, doesn't matter if it's a child from the wealthiest family in the world right down to the poorest, every child needs somebody in their life who is that principal carer, that go-to person when there's a crisis, that person they can run to when they're sick, afraid, not sure what to do when they've got a problem. So the idea that it's just about material help is is really wrong. You know, you can provide all the material assistance, the school fees, the uniform, the shoes, the books. You can provide the food. But if that child doesn't have a primary caregiver who is there for them when they really need them, then it's going to be a real struggle to get that child to stay at home long term. So we do a lot of work with the families um, to try and help them understand what that means for them as a family, how to love and care for their children uh, in helpful ways, how to discipline their children in more positive ways, to, to help the child participate in decision-making, to help the child's rights be respected uh, and looked after. So that process has to be happening with the family at the same time as we work with the child. And then eventually the day comes when the child is ready and the family is ready and we're able to actually place the child at home. Uh, and then really the hard work begins 
them. You know, they've been apart perhaps for many months or even years, and uh, and then it's time to really do the hard work of actually learning to live together again as a family. Uh, and we do a, a very strict uh, follow-up program as much as we can with our families so that we can support both the children and the parents as they learn to adjust and for the child to really reintegrate back into the community, to liaise with the school, to be talking with community elders and uh, just helping bring all those pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together to make that reintegration successful. Those are really helpful realities and practical points to consider. You engage with a unique population, which is so important to all of us who believe that all children thrive in families. Tell us a little bit about the children and youth you meet and ultimately work with in your outreach. The children that we work with, um, as they range from maybe six or seven years old right through to 17, 18. Uh, so we, we see the full range of ages. And, of course, every age group and stage of development requires you know, different uh, help and support. Uh, some of the older children actually can be very challenging. Um, they've been on the street for a long, long time. Uh, I can remember one boy we had uh, in Ethiopia who'd been on the street for eight years. He'd come to the street when he was nine. Uh, he came into our project when he was 17. Uh, he could barely remember his home village, his family, uh, but he was really keen to reconnect with the family. So the social worker went with him uh, and they gradually found uh, the village um, the mother was so overwhelmed that this son had arrived uh, on the doorstep. They thought he'd been dead for years. So when he appeared uh, at, the, at the gate, um, they could hardly believe their eyes. Uh, and so they welcomed him very much with open arms, uh, and that was great, except that he'd been on the street a long time. He stayed there for a few months, and then uh, then one day he turned up at our centre back in the city, and we were kind of like, oh, Mikhail, what happened? <laughs> uh, and he said, you know what, I can't stay there. I'm a city boy now. I've grown up. I'm not a little country boy anymore who can just look after two or three goats. You know, I need to make my way in the city. So we continued to work with him. Uh, he went off and did some vocational training around car mechanics and he got a job uh, as a mechanic. Uh, but the great thing was that he had reconnected with his family. So now that he was a young man working, he actually was able to take himself off home and had visits with his family on his own. So that building that connection and reconnecting that uh, that family uh, with that son were just as important. And we find that with some of our young people who are maybe 15, 16, 17 and who've been separated from family for a long time, a key person is still really important in their lives. Now, for some of them, it will be a family member, maybe not mum and dad, but maybe auntie or an uncle or a grandparent or sometimes even an older sibling but um, even if we haven't got an extended family member that we can match uh, that child with, what we do have is we offer a mentoring program. So we try and place these children out in the community to live independently and support them as they grow into that. Uh, but at the same time, we find a, a match for them, perhaps a, um, an older person who does the same skill or trade as they've got into or someone who 
comes from their area of Ethiopia or whatever country they're in who can understand their background of, and culture. And we try and um, place them in a relationship and encourage them to get to know each other so that that mentor can keep an eye out for um, for that young person growing up, be the go-to person and the support person for that young person. So the attachment might be with a, a biological family member or it might be someone else who has decided uh, to take on that role for that young person. Who else do you engage in your work and in the community to ensure that your reunification efforts work? It's really important as we go into communities that we liaise with a whole range of people and that will depend on each unique uh, situation for each child and family. But it usually looks like things like uh, school teacher and schooling it might be a medical clinic that we need to get in touch with to give medical support Uh, it's important that we contact uh, a village elder or a traditional authority depending on uh, what the name is in the country we're in but uh, someone in the village or in the district who is the uh, senior leader uh, so that we can work together with them let them know that we're bringing a child home and that that family needs a, a bit of a special eye kept out and we try and encourage the village elders or the village committee or the child protection committee in the area um, to take note that you know this family has been through a rough time and they might need some help and support as, uh, as they learn to live together again. Maybe there's a faith-based organisation that we can link with, uh, a local church or uh, somewhere where the family or child has been connected previously or some other organisation. Maybe there's uh, HIV support or support for orphans and vulnerable children or even another organisation that's working with economic empowerment activities to help strengthen the family financially. We look to link the family up as much as we can so that uh, any supports available can be tapped into which will uh, hopefully ensure that that child can not just go home but stay home and have a, a really successful reintegration uh, in, in their family and community. I'm so glad you noted how important the community is in helping to support healthy families. We understand child-centered case management is also really important. How does Retrack manage individual cases? We use the approach of uh, case management so that we can have consistency and um, try and assign a particular social worker to the case of the child so that there's consistency and, again, building on trust and also to document uh, all of the activities and uh, interventions that are done with the child and the family. We have regular case care review meetings uh, for our children when uh, everyone who participates in looking after that child Uh, joins together in a meeting to discuss uh, the progress of how the child is moving forward and uh, and when we feel the child is ready for reintegration. So that might involve our nurse, our teachers, our social workers, uh, the the carers and wardens who work in the evenings and at night time with the children, uh, even even the security guards who man the gate. Uh, everybody has various different contacts with that child in different uh, situations. 
And uh, sometimes the child will whisper something to the cook more than they will the social worker, uh, and the cook will say, oh, the child actually told me something about an auntie or something about grandma that's really important um, for looking at the uh, extended family and dynamics and how that can be supported for the child. So it's really important to have these case care management meetings so that children's needs can be wholly assessed uh, and the family also can be brought in and, uh, and discussed uh, for the future plans of that child. We we want to include the child and their participation in that decision-making process as well so that they are really kind of buy-in to the plans and it's not someone imposing something that's not in their best interest. Uh, really important that the child participates and that the family participate in any of those big decisions. Can you provide a couple concrete examples of follow-up services that you provide that you found are really helpful? I'm just thinking of one little fellow called Mubarak who we took home. He was only nine years old and uh, he'd had a really uh, kind of rough ride really. His his mum had died when he was only about three and his dad remarried uh, quite quickly after the death of uh, of the biological mother. Uh, I think having a new mother figure in this young boy's life, that would kind of solve a lot of problems, but it actually created a lot as well because this uh, very young child didn't really have a chance to grieve properly. Uh, The new mother was kind of pushed in front of him to say, well, here's your new mum, kind of get on with life. Uh, And, of course, um, he rejected her uh, quite severely. By the time he was seven, he was running into the local village and disappearing for a day or two at a time. And by the time he was nine, he uh, he jumped on the back of a a truck and came into the big city, which is where we came into contact with him. The process to get him home was long. (laughs) Um, That young boy first came into our project saying, I don't even want to hear my father's voice. I don't want anything to do with this stepmother. You know, just like get me another life. Um, But we could see that there was more to it than that. And uh, the father got in contact. We actually had contact with him, he tracked us down, he tracked the child down and found where where he was, uh, but the child refused to have anything to do with him for the first while. Over time, gradually those barriers were broken down. Uh, first it was uh, a phone call together with our social worker. There was some letter writing happening backwards and forwards from the dad to the child. Eventually the child went home for a week during school holidays uh, and the that went well. Uh, we were working quite intensively with the father and the stepmom to work through the various issues that the child was struggling with and the child was receiving counselling. So it got time to take the child home, but of course it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning. So we needed to do some really intensive follow-up visits to make sure all was going well. Our social workers um, would hold a family meeting when they went to visit the child We had to liaise with school and uh, help the teacher understand that this child had actually been through a really difficult time over the last few years and maybe needed a bit of extra care and attention and time at school. And bit by bit, um, we were able to withdraw our support. But, you know, that took 
a year or so for the for the child to really feel settled in and comfortable again at home. And we continued to follow up that child for another year and a half, even after the first year. And for us, that's a really critical part of a successful reintegration. You can't just kind of drop this child into a family and say, okay, off you go and have a nice life. Um, you have to provide the necessary support and encouragement. Small problems might crop up. We're in a normal family, you know, you just gloss over it and sort yourselves out. Um, with a child who's been separated for a long time, that small thing turns into a big thing and they attempted maybe to run away again because it's too hard to solve. So actually helping families confront uh, issues and helping them work through and talk through problems rather than just running out the door um, and uh, and thinking running away will solve the problem uh, is is really important skill for the child to learn and for the family to be able to handle that as, as well. And for the listeners who are going to be working now with similar youth, what have you learned that's helpful to engage youth in the process and ensure they participate in decisions affecting them? Some of the uh, older teenagers that we we work with, um, many of them have been on the street for quite some time. They have learned on the street to be very independent decision makers. They haven't had to consult anyone <laughs> for decision making for quite some time on the street. So you have to be really careful not to uh, put them back in a position where where you reverse that. You know, they don't want to let go of that. And that's one of the, the pull factors to stay on the street and not go home or not kind of go back to mainstream life. So when a child comes into our projects or, or a young person comes into the project and expresses their desire to either go home, return to school or get a job or whatever, um, it takes uh, quite some time to work through with them what they really do want to do, helping them to assess carefully what they're capable of doing. We do a lot of business skills training with some some of our young people, uh, helping them to work out, okay, what kind of small business would they like to set up? What interests them? Uh, how can we help them gain skills around that? But it has to be coming from them. So it's very much uh, coming from the idea of empowering these young people, helping them to learn how to make healthy decisions and positive decisions in their life and not just about their future work uh, whatever but about future relationships about um, choice of partner and how to stay safe a whole lot of areas where they have missed out uh, on being educated about life in general and where they need support but still in a way that empowers them to make their own decision it sounds labor intensive but how does retrack do what you do Retrack's a faith-based organisation and uh, we come from uh, the, the base that you know children are created within a family and uh, that's the best place for them to grow and develop. Uh, when that has broken down, uh, we want to do all we can to recreate uh, that healthy and safe environment for uh, that family and that child. So um, wherever we can, we, we try and look to place children into families where they can be safe uh, and maybe that's with biological parents, maybe that's with extended family, sometimes that's with wider options, maybe it's a foster care family, maybe uh, it's neighbours who have known that child since birth and uh, and are willing to take that child in. 
whatever uh, family-based option uh, will work best for that child is what we aim to do. For young people moving forward in life, uh, maybe they don't want to be back in a family, but they still need uh, care and support and love and security to be able to grow and develop as young people and into healthy adults. What do the families tell you? What is their reaction when you've gone to these great links to help their families to come together? Can you share a little bit about how the families feel? Most of the families that we contact uh, are just amazed that someone has taken the trouble to track them down, um, to to look after their child. They know how dangerous street life uh, is or the dangers that uh, the child uh, will be under. Uh, and are extremely grateful. Um, we've had some, I guess, some amazing prodigal son <laughs> type stories of children, you know, moving into the city and then coming home, this, this long lost son coming home after many months or years and the families just being completely overwhelmed that someone has um, tried to help their child when we've had a number of occasions where families have really believed that their child has probably been dead um, because of the risks of street life. So most of them highly grateful um, and just thankful to God that someone um, has, has stepped in to help their child. Occasionally we get families that are, you know, take a bit of convincing. Maybe the child stole some money or stole a goat or whatever. And, uh, you know, there's a bit of reconciliation work that needs to happen. But at the bottom line, you know, those blood ties are very strong um, and particularly in our work in Africa, you know, the extended family and family in general is just a really critical part of society. So most times, um, you know, we've had maybe on one hand I could count the number of families who've outright rejected a child um, and we've had to look completely in, in another direction to get support. But uh, even if some of the family members uh, are not happy to take in a child, we can find, you know, an uncle or a grandma or a somebody who will step in and fill the gap for that child. That's so encouraging to hear. Maggie, have you developed any materials which cover these topics in depth? I know many of our listeners will want to learn more so they can enhance their ministries, especially those working to support reintegration of children into families. More recently, Retrack has been involved with a number of organisations, including Faith to Action, in developing global guidelines for reintegrating children back home. And this will be a great tool for any organisation who want to work with children to help them get back to family-based care. If you would like to learn more about Retrack's work, you can go onto our website, which is www.retrack.com. That's R-E-T-R-A-K dot org. Maggie, thank you for being with us today. This has been really helpful. We are so inspired by the work you all do and are really encouraged that you've been successful in the face of what many would consider impossible. I want to encourage our listeners to check out your helpful resources. And for those looking for additional resources regarding family care, you can also visit the Faith to Action website at www.faithtoaction.org. Thanks for joining us today. 